Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. As we climb up into almost 600 live shows now, we have been on air with Blog Talk Radio for years, and we're syndicated out everywhere where you download your favorite podcasts. We really appreciate your support, especially over there on iHeartRadio and Podchaser. We uh, love reviews of our show there and appreciate the support. Please tell someone about our show so that they hear about us, but more so hear about our guests because our guests always have something cool to share with our audience. And here is one. Uh, We have author E.J. Yerzak with us. He's the author of the new book, Access Point. E.J., welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Elizabeth, thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Congratulations. It sounds like this was an early morning adventure writing this book. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It was uh, a lot of fun to write. You know, it was, it was an experience that uh, if you were to ask me a year ago, if I thought I was going to write a book, I probably would have said, you know, not a chance. Um, I think the pandemic made me shift gears, refocus. And so you're absolutely right. I, it was an early morning project for me. Yeah, working uh, Every, before breakfast, over breakfast. Like 5 a.m.-ish? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I would, I would wake up typically uh, before everybody else in the house got up. Uh, it was nice and quiet. You know, For me, that was my uh, ideal time to carve out a space and you know, just write and let the ideas flow. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> so tell us about your book. So it's called Access Point. And again, to everyone listening, it's available wherever books are sold. We're, we're pointing everybody in the direction to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble right now. But EJ, tell us about this awesome book. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to. It's, uh, it's called Access Point, as you mentioned. Um, it's, a, it's a thriller. Uh, the subcategory, I would say, is probably medical thriller slash techno thriller. I weave in a combination of, you know, medical aspects, um, cybersecurity, technical aspects. So it's a thriller. It's a very fast-paced uh, novel, very fast read. Um, it's, it stars a cybersecurity professor who discovers that his apartment is under surveillance. Mm-hmm. And it's right around the same time that a large pharmaceutical company is on the verge of announcing a medical breakthrough. And as the plots, you know, weave in and out and interconnect, uh, we discover and the reader discovers that, you know, the two subplots are interconnected in a, you know, thrilling conclusion at the end uh, where it ties it all together. Um, and I wanted to point out that, you know, the, the hero here in the story is uh, Lincoln Weber. I chose the name because I, th- I thought it was a great reference to links, you know, hyperlinks on the Internet and Weber for, <laughs> for web. So I kind of threw the two together and the main character is called Link Weber. And he's an unwitting hero. He's, he's an every man or every, every woman, every person uh, type character who's an unwitting hero. He, he didn't ask to be a hero in this uh, story. So I think a lot of readers can sort of relate to that um, situation where you're called upon to do something courageous, called upon to think about others and do something for others, 
and it involves personal reflection and, and a character reflection of, you know, what would I do in this situation? So I think everyone can probably relate to that. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about, um, you know, the the self-reflection and the doing, you know, good things for other people, that's exactly what you're doing with this book. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, um, I'm glad you mentioned that. With this book, I didn't seek to write this to you know, become a, a best-selling author, to become a you know, rich and famous author. I wrote this book because I really wanted to do something for others. I, I wanted to use my writing ability and advocate for causes that I believe in and you know, feel strongly about. And so the two causes that I am supporting with all of the net proceeds from the sales of this book in 2021 are going to the Brass City Rescue Alliance, and to the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, those two charities are you know, personally important to me, but they're also, I didn't just choose them randomly. Uh, they are tied to characters and, and situations that are in the book as well. Mm. Tell us about what um, the Brass City Rescue Alliance is, please. And uh, if you have a website for them handy, that'd be great. If not, that's okay too. The, the uh, Brass City Rescue Alliance is a nonprofit organization located uh, close to where I live, I live in Watertown, Connecticut. Uh, it's just right down the street. And it's a great organization that uh, since 2014 or thereabouts has been scouring the country trying to find dogs and cats um, that need loving homes, trying to rescue them, uh, mm -hmm. taking them from shelters and place them in adoptive homes. In the past several years, they've shifted more to placing dogs. But I had a chance to speak with the CEO there, Jennifer Humphrey, and she was very very appreciative of the fact that I reached out and I was offering to donate proceeds to her cause. Uh, she shared with me that, you know, as CEO, she's been passionate about this, about finding a home for these animals, but that during the pandemic last year, a lot of donations slowed or, or were going sure. more towards the, uh, the larger organizations and charities. So, again, she was very appreciative of the efforts. She shared with me her, her story, her vision, and she was very pleased to report that since the founding of her organization, she had placed nearly 500 cats and 800 dogs in loving homes. No. Personally, my wife and I are a big fan of you know, rescuing uh, animals. We have a rescue dog, and we intend to do the same down, you know, down the road in the future. Love it. Yeah, as a, as a rescuer of cats. That is my jam. <laughs> I have three rescue cats. Yep, there you go. There you cats, go. So I know. So it sounds like we need to have Jennifer on the radio show too for a, for a layup show and and uh, maybe have you both both on or something like that. We'll we'll talk about that. So um, yeah, that's that's very. Those are both very wonderful causes. And uh, Alzheimer's is also um, it, it affects people in our family as well. My husband's father, my grandmother. Uh, tell us about why you chose that uh, particular organization. Yes, I feel very strongly uh, about the Alzheimer's Association, the work that they're doing to, you know, fund a, you know, a treatment cure. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the work that they're doing to try to find something that can help solve this problem it impacts so many people out there. If you go to the Alzheimer's Association website, they have some interesting statistics out there that I think one in every three seniors will die with some form of either Alzheimer's or similar dementia. And it doesn't just impact the people that it afflicts directly. It impacts family. It impacts friends. 
it impacts the caregivers, you know, those who are in a support role, providing for and, and helping those individuals. Um, I've experienced it, you know, personally. I have family members who have Alzheimer's, who have, you know, dementia, and my uh, grandparents, my aunt. I have uh, family. It, it just, it's, it's a disease that yeah. it's very tragic to see happen, you know, firsthand. It's, it's hard to live through. It's hard to see that those people that you can you're used to seeing and you're used to interacting with, uh, you know, suddenly have difficulty recognizing you. Uh, they, they can't remember who you are. They forget how to do some simple tasks that they used to be very skilled at. Mm-hmm. And in some respects, it's, uh, it's sad because people seem to lose their, their sense of dignity as they suffer this disease. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, these individuals have have their dignity, and they, they are you know, very respected people, and you know, we need to keep that in mind. These are still people, and uh, even if they can't yeah. or if they lose the ability to communicate effectively. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for all that you're doing with your book to, to raise funds and awareness for both of those organizations. We're, we're very grateful that you're doing that. It sound, this sounds like a great book, EJ, and um, I know we have a lot of people who listen to our show because they aspire to do things, and a lot of people in our audience aspire to write books. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on your writing process. 5 a.m. sounds early kind of quiet though and kind of peaceful and perfect time to write. I know I, I do that a lot <laughs> up at 5 a.m. Yes, you, you, yes, you can, you can relate. Absolutely. I can. <laughs> For me, 5 a.m. is the perfect time. I have some friends who like to write or, or do creative things late in the evening. Uh, some folks mm-hmm. are early risers like myself. For me, 5 a.m. was the perfect time, again, provided that I could tiptoe down the stairs and, and, and not wake up my dogs and not wake up my son, uh, provided I was able to do that successfully. Uh, so I was kind of living in my own thriller, so to speak, you know, sneaking around the house trying to find a, a quiet, safe space to, uh, to write uh, without, without causing mayhem. Uh, because once the day gets started, it's hard to get back to it. You know, we get on with our lives. But 5 a.m. Yeah. for me was the ideal time, nice and quiet, again, carved out of space. And then I would either do it before breakfast or, or even, you know, continue it well into breakfast, and then pack it up for the day. So I tended to write in maybe 20 to 30-minute increments. I think a lot of authors may, may tell you that that's perhaps less than ideal, um, but for me it, it seemed to work. It, uh, it took me about six months of actual writing in those you know, 20 to 30-minute increments to put together the novel, which came to you know, a little shy of 350 pages. Um, I spent about maybe a month ahead of time you know, outlining the whole plot. Because it was a complex plot and there were a lot of different parts that I wanted to weave together, I, I really wanted to make sure that I got the details absolutely correct. Fabulous. And and we honor your writing process. <laughs> I'm sure that will help somebody out there. It's pretty similar to mine, actually. I write in 1,000-word in increments. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. Uh, you know, you've got expertise in this area, Um it, the, in the you know you write about cybersecurity and and all these things. Could you tell us a little bit about your personal background in cybersecurity? Because I know I've I've seen you speak, and you're great at it. Yes, yes, I've uh, I've spoken at conferences. In fact, um, I, I recall you were you were promoting your uh, your book uh, Percolate at, at one of the conferences. So <laughs> yeah, glad you. to have picked up a copy there. Um, you know, give you a little shout out for that book. Um, thank you. Great great resource. <laughs> I would certainly encourage anyone to take a look. Um, you know, for me, I think uh, my background really helped contribute to this book. Uh, but again, it's it's a medical thriller and a techno thriller. 
I think when I set out to write it, I was targeting the uh, the techno thriller space, and it actually ended up being quite a bit of both. So you mentioned that I, I tend to speak on cybersecurity. You know, I am an international conference speaker on mm-hmm. the topic of cybersecurity, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and, and similar topics. My background, you know, growing up was was in uh, computer science and in English. I have an English major as well as a computer science major. Um, went on and got a master's degree in computer science, and you know, I figured, hey, that's that's not enough schooling, so I went on to law school after that. Um, finally, <laughs> and, I decided to uh, you know, get out there and get a real job. <laughs> yeah, but you forgot to mention Colgate. He, so he has an English and computer science degree from, let's just say it again, Colgate. <laughs> so um, and that's that's amazing, and you know, it's it's an interesting mix. Tell us, that's a that's a really interesting mix because usually, I know in me the math. I've got some math chops, but not, you know, like super great math chops. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to be the one who looks at the board and goes, yeah, the answer's X. Didn't you see it? You know, kind of thing. But you've you've got both, and you've, you've even won awards before in writing. So cool. Yes. Yeah, I, I did happen to graduate from high school. It just seems like forever ago. Um, I graduated <laughs> from high school actually winning the uh, English Department's Creative Writing Award. Awesome. And that was all good, you know, back then. But it kind of just sat there. It didn't. Uh, I didn't really use the creative writing in my career path. I, I tended to navigate towards the towards the math, towards the science. I, I pursued, you know, interests and uh, and career choices that tended to gravitate more towards the the analytical and the, the mathematical, um, mm-hmm. including what I'm doing now in terms of, you know, leading a cybersecurity team, you know, for a consulting company. And it's it's really I think been phenomenal to have that background uh, because, and I didn't realize this when I was studying English and computer science. I, I really studied both, and I, I mentioned this in the acknowledgments in the book. I, I studied both only because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I, I didn't know what I wanted to major in, and I kind of dabbled a little bit in both. And before I knew it, I had almost enough courses to double major, and I just finished it out. Beautiful. So that served me well in my career path because you're right, it's kind of, most people are either right brain or left brain. Uh, I don't think it's very common. I don't think I've encountered too many people in my lifetime that have an affinity for the math and science as well as the creative writing. I, I would certainly love to meet people like that though. I think it's, it's great to be able to converse in technical terms, but to be able to explain those in, in everyday terms. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, you know, I, I also know just from knowing you a little bit personally that you're a very big advocate for um, bringing youth along on your journey. Um, I've, I've seen some of the, your initiatives. Uh, would you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Uh, in terms of bringing the youth along, I, I'm active in my community. I, I encourage <laughs> everyone to be you know, active in their community to the extent possible. I'm very happy to say that I, I coach Little League. I've, I've coached my son uh, and his teams in, in t-ball and in baseball. Um, yeah, Elizabeth, I know uh, you can relate to the, uh, you know, the baseball journey with, uh, with your son playing at uh, UNH. Yeah. Oh, I, I just I would love baseball. We love baseball. We were on a walk, actually, down the street here, and our neighborhood has some new younger families, and um, – we ran into a little child on a scooter and everything, and we're talking to the mom and said, you know, have you signed him up for T-ball? She's like, oh, isn't he young, too young for that? We're like, no, no, it's the cutest thing ever. No, so never, never, too young, t- never too young. <laughs> T-ball. Isn't T-ball a riot? 
it's it's so much fun at that age. I mean, you know, you get ten kids all chasing the ball from one side of the field to the other. <laughs> it's super funny. I know that has absolutely nothing. It's to a lot of fun, book, but but it's super cute. No, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you you go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to add that it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, I, I think it is related to some extent to to my journey and my process here, uh, because I I did sort of write the book with an eye towards my son. One of the things that got me started actually writing the book is last year my son wanted me to keep telling him a lot of bedtime stories, uh, but he didn't want me to just read from a book. He wanted me to make up stories and to get creative with, you know, what I was telling him and what I was explaining. And every once in a while he would interject and say, no, this happens. No, no, I think this should happen next. And so (laughs) I really wanted to encourage that uh, creative mindset in my son and so I kind of took that to heart when, when writing this story is, you know, I wrote it, um, you know, it's, it's a thriller, and I hope that, you know, when he's a little bit older, he'll, he'll be able to pick it up and, and read it and say, you know, hey, my dad wrote this, and uh, hopefully it encourages him to uh, take up some writing as well. I love it. Now, I noticed in your book you, you used no curse words. Let's let's keep going <laughs> on that. Yeah, that, that is correct. I, I think part of it was me – realizing two things. Number one, I had a feeling my son was going to want to read it. He, he would constantly be looking over my shoulder as I was writing it. You know, sometimes he would, he would tiptoe down the stairs early in the morning while I was writing the novel, and he'd sneak up behind me and he'd be looking over my shoulder as I was writing it. So I became more and more conscious of the words that I was putting down on the page. Uh, and even though you know, the entire book is not necessarily you know, children's material, it's, it's more um, you know, adult fiction um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, thriller and, and some of the themes in terms of, you know, cybersecurity, a little bit more technical. Um, so I, I don't really think it's it's for his age group. But by the same token, I was very conscious that he was going to want to read it one day. And so I wanted to be a good role model from that perspective. And that relates to the second reason. When I started writing the first two or three chapters, I did have one or two characters that just based on their, their character traits – cursed a lot. And when I went through the rewriting process and the proofreading, I, I took out the curse words because I realized that it was more of a, a crutch. I, I didn't need the curse words to convey the story. They, they didn't add anything to the story. And I realized that I could find other words to convey the same message. So again, I, I cleaned up the language and I hope that uh, makes it more accessible to a wider audience as well. Yeah, I, I bet it will. Now, I I, this seems to me like either like a great vacation book, a great summer book, a st- in this case a staycation book. Uh, do you do you have that those goals uh, for this book? Seems like a book club book. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it's a it's a great vacation book or a staycation book, uh, given where we are now um, with, with yeah. travel or limited travel. But it, it's a fast read. Um, again, it's about 350 pages, but it's it's fast paced. I, I intentionally wanted to write something that would be, you know, an easy read and a fast read. All right. So to the whole bunch of people who just joined us, thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We're here speaking with author E.J. Yerzak. His new book is called Access Point. And since you all just joined us, I'm going to have him give us a little bit of a rundown one more time about what the book is about, because E.J., a whole bunch of people just joined in. If you don't mind repeating yourself, that would be wonderful. Oh, not a problem, Elizabeth. So the book is called Access Point. It is a medical thriller slash techno thriller. Weaves in a combination of 
a large pharmaceutical company on the verge of announcing a huge medical breakthrough. The main character is Lincoln Weber. Link is an everyman character. He's, he's an unwitting hero who stumbles upon information that the pharmaceutical company is looking to cover something up. And he didn't want to come across this information. He discovers that his apartment is under surveillance. And he gets wrapped into this whole conspiracy. His life is on the line. He's being chased. And so the story weaves in the two themes of technology and, and medicine. I think it's very, um, very poignant and uh, very timely in terms of everything that's going on right now uh, with, with medicine, with technology. I think it's sort of a, a fish out of water story in terms of having an unwitting hero who didn't necessarily ask to be in this role, but is faced with a challenge, is faced with a situation where he has to make some choices and he chooses to try to save the day. He, he chooses to do something for others and to help others when he could have just turned the other way and, and you know, minded his own business. And I think a lot of readers can probably relate to that. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I could see this book being a, a huge success on college campuses everywhere with college students in those cybersecurity programs. Just seems like a perfect fit. Uh, everywhere. So uh, congratulations, EJ, on writing this amazing book. And to everyone listening, um, the proceeds, all the proceeds from the book are going to Brass City Rescue Alliance and the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, EJ, did we miss anything in our conversation? Any last uh, words you want to talk about before we go? Um, no, I just want to thank you again, Elizabeth, for, for having me on your show. Uh, again, the, the book is available on uh, Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Um, I am very excited, as you mentioned, to be able to donate you know, all the net proceeds from the sale of this book to those two causes, Breast City Rescue Alliance and the Alzheimer's Association. I would encourage everyone to visit their websites. Uh, I apologize, I don't have the links handy, but if, if you Google it, you can Make find sure their we websites. Do check out those organizations and, you know, please support their causes. Really appreciate yep, it. We will. We'll put links to everything in the show. EJ, thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations on your new book. Much success. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and visit us at besteveryou.com. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.